The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of Sports Drink Network. This is Tom coming to you from the D.C. Outpost. Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost. Mercifully. <laughs> this is the best weekend of football I've had in years, I feel like. How about you? Hold on, let me turn down my, my mic volume over here. We went a little too hard with that. But uh, it was hard not to get excited with the joy of football returning into my body. I was texting Cousin P. Butch and Andre this weekend just saying, I didn't realize what this weekend would do for me. Me not having to watch Matthew Canada slaughter my boys under, you know, the heroic Mike, you know, Mike, the heroic Mike Tomlin in a, in a down period in his life and in his judgment making, not watching Matt Canada kill the thing I love the most in the world reminded me of how much I actually love football. Sometimes they throw it. They throw the ball right to the other guy on their team. Across the field, he continues running. It's so exciting. They tackle hard. They get penalized. Uh, Viewers don't dwindle, so the NFL has no incentive to change said rules. Yada, yada, yada. But I even watched the Buffalo-New York Giants game last night, which is like a 7-0 game that was actually incredibly compelling just because it's a night game. You got the sounds. It was a cool uniform matchup. Battle for New York. Unexpected expectedly chippy for teams that never see each other and honestly i mean the the giants they they're in a bad spot they couldn't run two consecutive offensive plays without getting a penalty or an injury they had just signed justin Pugh off of the street who had played guard for them a few years back but he hasn't played since week six of last year and he started at tackle or started at guard, and then another one of their tackles went down, and so he moved to tackle for like the first time ever. He didn't know their cadence yet, so he just had to guess on snap count. So they were a disaster on offense. They looked very similar to the Steelers because they did have a couple nice plays, so I felt comfortable there. But really, it was kind of glorious watching their defense just do their best and, and honestly perform pretty incredibly against the Bills. But yeah, not watching... Canada and not being emotionally invested was awesome. So I really enjoyed the football weekend, Dad. That, that's what I have to report. Well, it's interesting. Out of 14 games, so that would be 2018, 17 failed to get to 20 points. Yeah. Tone Diggs from the Pat McAfee show, star Steelers fan, put out a tweet today that said, I believe it might be 21 teams in the NFL are averaging under 20 points this year. And if you look through the list, it checks out just from the, the eye test. And I actually have it right here, so I'm going to read it to you before I tweet out the graphic I made for it. So here's what I did. Here's the list of teams from Tone Diggs. And what I did was I crossed out the teams in red that just blatantly suck. Like, of course, they're bad at offense. They don't have good players or a good strategy. 
And then next to the teams that could be good at offense but maybe have one outstanding issue, I annotated that in sort of a fuchsia sort of color. All right? So Giants, they suck. Pats, they suck. Steelmen, OC was the note I put. Steelers got some good players. They have a, the Steelers have a receiver, Dad. This guy, George Pickens, is 6'4". may have not heard of him. He only played one year at Georgia, the greatest college team ever assembled that just massacred everybody and route to two consecutive national championships. Well, that team must be pretty good. It would be crazy if there were a freshman who was their best offensive player. Well, it was this guy. And then he got hurt, and the NFL sort of forgot about him. Anyways, Steelers have some real talent there. Moving on. Falcons. I put a dash next to them. QB. I mean, Desmond Ritter. I know he's only started 10 games, but he looks the way he did in college. Uninspiring. If they change that, they got some studs. Raiders suck. Titans suck. Bucks suck. Bengals, I put injury to Joe Burrow. Saints suck. So hard to watch. I guess I could say strategy for that, too. We'll change that to strategy for the Saints. They got a couple guys. Panthers, they suck. Jets, injury to Aaron Rodgers. And then next to the Browns, I put I drew. I, I took way too much time on this this morning. I drew a detailed turd with... Green stink lines coming out from them on account of their franchise being turd-eating sons of bitches. Uh, Cardinals cross that out. Bears and Broncos cross them out as well. So I think that this was a good segment for our Monday Steelers bye week podcast. I was really just trying to get to the turd part, but I'll tweet it out for you guys. But, Dad, we're not the only inept offensive team, but I will say, besides the Patriots, we're the, we're the worst on that list. So there was yeah. no comfort there. There was no you didn't really point to a good team other than the injury. The point that to the injury for Cincinnati would said well, they're, us. they're good teams. I had, I had us, I had the Falcons and I had the Saints. As hey, if they had a little tweak. So your there, point you could, was your point was these are teams without talent, so it explains the low score. Correct. There are and several then, teams with talent, injury or strategy is right. the thing driving their low scoring. I have hope is what I'm trying to say. We got guys. There's another guy named Deontay Johnson. Mac guy. Kind of hard to remember because the second he came into the NFL, Ben Roethlisberger's glorious right elbow exploded, finally, after years of abuse. Uh, yeah, so there, yeah, there's good guys on the Steelers. But those good guys, particularly Deontay Johnson, coming back next week against the Rams. And so this is that perfect example of how the NFL schedule takes on a different tenor as you go through the year. Namely, the Rams were supposed to be the second-worst team in the league. They were... They've hemorrhaged players after the F them pick strategy, and which had to become eventually like, oh, F all those players. We have to let everybody go. But And then Matt Stafford had his 47th back and neck surgery over the offseason. They sucked last year, so it was looking terrible. Well, turns out they got a guy called Puka Nakua. You get a guy with a name like Puka Nakua. I called this with Ray Ray McLeod back in the day. I don't know what the hell happened. He had a bad year in Steeler Town because – Everybody who touched the Steelers sucked for a moment, and now he plays for San Francisco. But I digress. Puka Nakua is awesome. And it turns out Matt Stafford is invincible, so he's been playing great. And the Rams are 3-3. Three and three. They just got Cooper Cup back after they were really worried about his preseason injury, saying it might be a nerve thing with his hamstring. So you're wondering, uh, crap, is it, is it over? The great white hope? He's swam his last lap? Nope, he had like eight catches for 148 and a TD or something like that in the first game back. So not only do the Rams look much better than they did on the initial schedule, but you can add them to the list of Kyle Shanahan-based teams. Teams that have a large, I imagine, granite statue of Kyle Shanahan 
in their locker room. I assume it's one of those kinds where they don't have arms or legs. They kind of just they sort of sand it off right there, like the Romans and the Greeks. Right, Dad? I believe. Yeah, and, and they just, I don't know. I don't think they necessarily pray to the statue, but I do think that they, you know, respectfully uh, bow to it every once in a while. Uh, also, their coach was uh, was from the Kyle Shanahan tree, Sean McVay, as we know. So those teams have slaughtered the Steelers with, I believe, a total score of like uh, 36 to 6 or 36 to 9. The Steelers have lost to Kyle Shanahan's Niners. Sorry, not 36, 66 to 9. Kyle Shanahan crushed the Steelers. Um, damn it, why do I keep – D'Amico Ryans, the coach for the Texans, another uh, Niners descendant, as you will, uh, crushed the Steelers as well. And we are looking bad going into the Rams game, and everything says, look, the Steel men are about to get crushed. But I will pause. And in reference to my schedule comment, okay, the schedule looks different while you're in the season. I want to go back to one of our favorite conversational topics every year on the podcast, which is in the preseason when the schedule gets released, we are on Team Get Excited. Because I think you do learn a ton about the schedule even months in advance. And I would even say, with this Rams team being better than it looks, shouldn't matter for the Steelers. Like, player to player, the Steelers are a significantly better roster. So if the Steelers weren't as historically bad as they are right now, I wouldn't have changed my opinion. I'd say, if the Steelers lose this game, then it's there's no excuse for that. The Steelers are better than the Rams. This is ridiculous. But we know the Steelers are struggling. That being said, there's no chance that the Steelers are going to emerge to be an awesome offense, but I do think there is there are a lot of reasons to believe they will improve over the course of the season. Getting Deontay Johnson back is absolutely enormous. It can't even it can't be under overstated how big this is. Nobody can get open on their own, and this guy can get open against any player in the NFL. Not only is this going to create easy throws for Kenny Pickett, but now defenses can no longer focus only on, hey, we just got to stop George Pickens. That's the only thing we have to do. So this is huge to get uh, Deontay Johnson back. And then furthermore, last year the Steelers were a completely different team after their bye week. They started to run for 150 yards per game. They could run on anyone. Kenny went, you know, 6-2 and two or whatever it is. Didn't, I don't think, threw an interception or had a turnover, maybe one over the whole second course of the year, second half of the year. He started having all those fourth-quarter comebacks. And if we know anything about the Steelers, we know that the Steelers is the Steelers. And it's the same year over and over and over again. So with that scientific data, they had a buy. They should get better. That's hard data in Steelers' world. They get better after the buy. So I do think that the Steelers have a good chance of losing 24 to 17, maybe 20 to 17 instead of 24-3. to I think the Steelers can score at least one touchdown and two field goals in this game because even if they improve, they have such a long way to go, the Steelers. But I do think if they could get a freaking game with two legitimate scoring drives, I would non-sarcastically categorize that as, hey, that's a victory. Like we just We need to see the Steelers move the ball a little bit because they haven't scored a touchdown against the Kyle Shanahan team this year. And we'd get to 17 how? Uh, TJ Watt's going to have a touchdown. Uh, George Pickens will have a touchdown. Uh, and then Boz will have a field goal. 
after a third down where Deontay shakes his man so badly that he falls down and he's uncovered in the middle of the field and Kenny misses him by four feet. Because, as we know, the Steelers play the same season and the same game every year and every week. Those sound like some solid prop bets. Yeah. Well, look. I don't even know if you can get value on it. Here's another factor. Guaranteed. Here's another factor in our favor. We are on a five-game winning streak against the Rams. I like that. Going back to 2003. Call Duck. Call Duck back. That was like the, the biggest Steelers win in a while when the defense was looking amazing for that one year when, when Ben was gone and then they just fell apart. <laughs> so um, I don't know. We had, a, we had a, a few different items here. Oh, so here's a, here's a disappointing one. Dan Moore apparently is going to be re-injected into the starting lineup over Broderick Jones. I would say on this podcast, we have been relatively level-headed in terms of the Canada expectations. He's, he's as bad or worse than advertised. Right? I see Mark Madden, who's repeatedly, I mean, he's, look, he gets in people's heads. He's very funny. He's very talented at his job. It is what it is. But he's crucified Juju so many times in the media in such a personal way. And then he has the gall to tell Steelers fans that this is crossing the line, all the chance to fire Matt Canada, one of which took place in like the steps of the Capitol or something like that in Washington, D.C. as the Penguins beat the, the <laughs> Capitals this week. It's music to my ears. I mean, it's beautiful. And he says, all right, this is crossing the line. Like, no, buddy, you're not, you're not the arbiter of that. Oh, I guess it doesn't cross the line. We, this is all we have. And I do – it's out of character for me even. Like usually I can t- sort of stop and try to imagine Matt Canada as like some member of my family or something and be like, ah, that does suck. Like he's not trying to be bad. He just is. But he's also stuck because the Steelers – there's some sort of contractual deal within the Steelers. I, I assume it's tattooed onto them. We can't fire anybody during a season. So this poor guy is just stuck in there. But there's something about Canada where it's so bad that it reads as true, complete arrogance that you got to let us have the chance. All we have are the chance at this point. And so, Mark, come on. So we have been level-headed and saying, look, they're not going to fire him in the season. They don't have anybody to call plays otherwise. Unfortunately, they've made this bet already. It's like the idea of trading for Russell Wilson that the Broncos did. They gave him a ton of money. They gave up a ton of capital. And there's no fix for it now. Sometimes the consequences have actions. And there's no pivot to just change it all. Like, oh, Russ is bad. Please give us the money and the picks back. You already gave them away. So we already hired Canada. We didn't think there was a need for a Terrell Austin assistant defensive coordinator, Brian Flores assistant defensive coordinator, or even Matt Canada was the assistant OC at one point. Nope, we didn't do any backup plans. We're going in with Canada because these 12 points a game over the last half of the season with Kenny Pickett eking out wins over bad teams has shown us everything we need to see to say, not only is this guy our guy, but he needs no backup. Throw him out there. It's like what they said with the Colts. When Peyton Manning would get hurt, like, why don't we have a good backup quarterback? Listen, gentlemen, if Peyton Manning gets hurt, we're – yeah. So that being said, uh, it's an issue. Here's the problem, though. We've been okay about that. We understand. This is what it is. However, there are a number of things you could do to get better over the course of the season. And one of them is playing Joey Porter Jr., who has clearly earned the playing time. Like, I know people want to say he's going to be Jalen Ramsey or Patrick Sertan, and maybe he will be. 
but his sample size is small. That being said, it's Sterling. He's done a very good job in his time. He's earned the starting slot because you have the worst corners in the league. You got the slowest corner group in the league and the worst least willing to tackle corner group in the league. You don't have anything to lose by putting Joey Porter in there at this point. I understand you want to be careful with rookies' confidence. I actually do think there's something to that. But kind of at this point, it's time to give him a bigger piece of the pie. Looks like they're going to give that to Joey Porter. Same thing with Broderick Jones, where I'm not sitting here breaking down all the tape of Broderick Jones or anything like that. I'm watching the games. It's very clear. He's, he's doing a good job. Furthermore, then you go look at John Ledyard. You look at Derek, Derek Bell on, on Twitter, Kazora, all the guys, all the usual suspects. They're looking at the film. They're breaking it down for you. He looks good. He looks better than Dan Moore. It's a low, low bar. Yet, Dan Moore practicing with the starters today. That, to me, is scary. Because that goes back with the thing you always talk about with Tomlin and the Steelers where they're overly loyal. And, like, why are we giving Moore a chance? What are we protecting Broderick Jones from? We just saw him in a full game against the Ravens do a good job. And this is a lost season. Like, this is a, this is a huge organizational mishap where the Roonies and Tomlin have to put their hand up and say, like, yeah, the reason why the 2023 Steelers didn't have a chance at the Super Bowl is because of our stubbornness with our offensive philosophy and staff. And this is kind of a this is kind of disappointing. So I'd love to give them the benefit of the doubt, but unfortunately, and you know, I'd love to give them the benefit of the doubt of like they're at practice. Maybe they know with Broderick, hey, this is a really raw athlete. Like reminds me of Bud Dupree in terms of this guy is just more powerful than all the other humans. He's faster and stronger and bigger, but he's very raw. And our plan is to slowly bring this guy along. I know that's a little bit lost in today's day and age in the NFL, but I think you have to look on a case-by-case basis. If you got a young, raw guy like Martavis Bryant, but he can come into a superstar, star-studded offense with Roethlisberger and Brown and a top-five offensive line, and he has a specific role, hey, Martavis, you're, you run straight and catch it when Ben throws it to you. I understand that. But you got a raw player coming into a terrible line, a terrible offensive system, and a no success. I understand you wanting to slow that down. But I just don't think that the tape tells that story. So it just feels – it's very disappointing to see that they're going to start Dan Moore because it's kind of like – whereas Roger Jones isn't getting the experience he needs on the bench there. So disappointing to see that. All right. Any changes? Uh, so – I was trying to find the statistics on Porter and how much time he's actually getting, you know, because they could they could regulate that. Yeah, I don't. They 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 mix and match the corners anyways. There's a room. I think I saw that Peterson might be moving to slot, which is brutal because he's too old to tackle now. I don't blame him for the record. You're at a certain point. You're too old to try and tackle, you know, whoever. I don't even know who the running back's going to be for the Rams this week. I think their their two running backs are injured, but it's hard to tackle people. At that age and in the slot, you need to do that. So, but who knows? Maybe he'll do some shrewd. <sighs> Anyways, so yeah, it's I don't interesting. Know. I think is going to get playing time. Pittsburgh bit. is turning into the guard factory of the NFL. Did you know that Kevin Dotson is on the yeah. Rams? Oh yeah, yep. And he he said that uh, McVeigh's nicer. He's more of like a positive encouragement guy, and Tomlin's more of a negative reinforcement guy. Like he scares you into it. And I said, Dotson, we used to like you. And I, what I did was I didn't watch the interview or get any context from it at all. I just said, screw you. That sounds negative about the Steelman, about Tomlin. 
That's a hardcore no, sir. Although we know that he had a weird thing with the Steelers. They would never play him, even when it seemed like he was playing better. But, yeah, so I do think what we're going to see against the Rams, there's going to be a lot of wide-open catches for Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup, which is going to make us feel insane. Like, out of all the players to be – I'm fine if Cooper Cup mosses our guys. I'm not fine when there's nobody in the screen – Nobody guarding the superstar receiver who had more catches than any other player has ever had in one season. So how are we not covering this man? How is there not a priority? Well, that's the Steelers. And McVay's going to figure it out how to get them open. But that doesn't mean they'll win the, you know, they'll win the game. We saw what happened with Devontae Adams. He got everything he needed, and the Steelers still won that game. I do think this is going to be a tough one for the Steelers to pull out. But like I said, going into this bye – I don't think you could be in a much better position, you know, I mean, for where the Steelers are. Obviously, you would like to just be a good team, but since they're not, the way that they ended against the Ravens, you know, lucky or not, it, I think that that really helps with the vibe and the mood of the team going into the next week. So I just hope that they play better and then we see a step forward because the plan, putting Dan Moore back in there doesn't feel like a step forward. Well, given all you've said, this is probably irrelevant, but I think it's good news. So DeMarvin Leal clears concussion protocol, and maybe, maybe but I'll, but Fryermuth said he'll play. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, he seems back a little bit sooner, but, um, yeah, hopefully the Steelers get some guys back on the field, and every week we get a little bit closer to Cam Hayward returning so that the defense can start scoring 16 points a game. All right, next Sunday, 4.05 Eastern. And we'll come back home to play the Jags uh, the ensuing week. So hit us up on X at Steelers Outpost. Shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.